Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Books Boys. Live from the Grand Library. The Dean and PJ. He's PJ. Hello there. I'm the Dean, and we are the Books Boys. The one and only. This is the Books Boys show. Get it? Buy it? Books. Ah, books. I have to excuse myself because I've got a bit of a quiver in my voice. Hold on, let me just let me just set the let, let me just fix the throat. <laughs> There we go. Is that? Oh, no, you've gone the other way. It's a lot better. So, welcome to Books, boys. We're talking about some incredible books this episode. This is my new stage voice. I well, the, I the good news is we, we actually nailed the intro for the first time in four months, um, but now it's gone weird uh, since then, so I don't know. <laughs> I thought the, I thought the uh, demographic might appreciate a bit more of a sensual voice. It makes me weak yeah, at the knees, the... BJ. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, guys, you can, you can decide. Now, here's the next poll. This is going to put a lot of controversy. Forget the next uh, elections or whatever. U.S. elections. It's all about, do you prefer the old-fashioned format, or do you like this new sensual direction the episode is going yeah. to? Booksboys.com, so let us know. Maybe we'll totally change the, uh, totally change the show. And Maybe it'll not be about books. Book- Maybe we can get PJ selling some sexy perfumes or something. And, and I like to emphasize the hot in the hot meal. Okay. Now, and in this episode, you're accompanied by the sea and by winds. So uh, I hear of that. Locals, and why, why is that, PJ? Where are you? Well, I am in Spain again. Yes, once again on, on the roads. But I'm back in my hometowns. So it's not like, it's kind of more of a going back to my, you know, going back to my, to my upbrings. I decided mm-hmm. I um, need, need a bit of home again. So I'm enjoying being Gran Canaria. And yeah, hopefully I have more time for reading in October. Nice. As well. I did some traveling this month myself. I'm actually off to Spain for a good portion of next month. But this month I did visit uh, London. Went over to see Dark Place Robert from our Patreon show and spent a long weekend in London. Um, although it was nice. it was very strange because I arrived the day the Queen died. Oh, yeah, so it was yeah. a very strange atmosphere, you know. That's but bizarre, yeah. It was, it was my first time oh. there. But I, I got to see nice things. I saw Shakespeare's Globe Theatre. I saw The oh, Mice Trap, the Agatha Christie play. So, you know, got to do some Oh, you literature. saw that? That's yeah, a... I did. Wow, okay. That's the longest running play ever on Earth, right? I, mean, I think so, Yeah. <laughs> That's a very big statement Earth, to make. Yes, I'm, I'm not sure if that. You is... check out those other planets, and we don't know. <laughs> okay, okay, let us know. 
This month's sponsor, um, Venus cool, Theater. No. <laughs> Good, okay. And we're not tempted to also see a Shakespeare play, because that's what I would have been tempted also. Yeah, just in terms book. of the, the fact that I was only there for three days, uh, I didn't get everything okay, done that I wanted enough. to do, but I will go back because I want to see a Shakespeare play. I want to go to more museums, maybe get into St. Paul's yeah, Cathedral. Okay. There's more things that I just didn't have time to do, you know. And how was Agatha Christie's Mousetrap? Is it a good play? It was very good. The acting was good. Um, I went with uh, Dark Place Robert and, and another friend and we all oh, enjoyed nice. it. We all thought it was it was um, very good. Now, I like that vibe a little bit more than they do. They thought it was very sort of the pretentious English vibe isn't necessarily for them, <laughs> but they still really, really enjoyed the play. So that's good. Cool. Okay. And it is well, a big cool, twist. Well, you, know, you, you don't know what's going to happen, but you know, it's a good play. If you're ever in London, go see it. Well, dude, look, and I was thinking, you know, this whole, we've been discussing books now for almost two years, almost two years. So tune in next month. It's going to be a, a heck of a show. Anniversario. Um, anniversario. And we've been talking two years philosophically on, on what books is, and I've been analyzing and looking up in supermarkets and not in the toilet section and all that stuff. So I, I think I've got it. I went to the bookkeeper because those are people that keep books. I think so. so I thought, why not go to bookkeepers? Yeah. So I went that, to the, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I, I, when I entered, I really enjoyed the enthusiasm. You know, there's a lot of enthusiasm. I thought, this is great. These are, these are, these are guys predominantly. I was a bit surprised. I didn't really see that many women. But okay. Guys that are into books and they're not really the bookish type. So it's kind of breaking the stereotype. They don't yeah, really yeah, look yeah. like, but I like that. You know, everyone's welcome to read books. The thing is, uh, it was very horse themed. I was wondering about that, so I don't oh, know right. what's that about. Is that a niche? Is that a niche like horse themed literature at the moment? Not sure. It's uh, uh, they've moved on from Twilight. They're just into horses now. The kids. <laughs> With Black Beauty and all that stuff must be a classic. <laughs> in there. But uh, and you know, well, I didn't see much reading either. That's the thing. I saw a lot of kind of intense writing. I like that. So there seemed to be like an intense writing workshop going on. Right. And I thought that might be some beat, you know, beat pop poetry, you know. And yeah, it was very beat pop, you know, it was very kind of like love numbers, very experimental mm-hmm. stuff. So these guys, I think they're onto some nut. I couldn't really decipher okay. what's going on there. I've got a good idea. So this sounds like a really cool, jazzy kind of place, like, you know, a bit of, yeah, kind of slam I mean, poetry really... vibes, maybe. Yeah, they're kind of a lot of numbers. Seems to be a big thing, numbers and horses at the moment. I love enthusiasm, so I enjoyed the enthusiasm. It turned very Dostoevsky at one point. For some right. reason, they started talking about debts and like owing money. And I thought, all right, they're probably analyzing the gambler mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. Or, or the player from Dostoevsky. So I think they're maybe, I'm not quite sure what the deal is yet. So I'm still trying to decipher. I'll, I'll have a visit next time. Okay. It cost me a lot of money. It costs you, oh no, right. I'm going to give you your homework is to go back and do some more investigations. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, there was a lot of crying and shouting, so I liked the enthusiasm. I'm just not quite sure what it's about. Very romantic setting. Guys, if anyone can help us, let us know. Do you think they'd be open to Shakespeare discussion? I would hope so. I mean, all humans really should be. Um, I would would certainly hope so. But it sounds like an interesting place that you went to. Just on the money front, I'm sorry that you spent some money. I don't know if you're aware that here in in the UK, we've had a lot of strikes lately. And uh, little Alfred did go on strike. Um, He's not here today. Um, But as a result... He's the most well-paid from all of us. He's getting a pay rise, man. So, (laughs) I don't know. 
I don't know what to do. He's got more vacation days as well, so he's not here today. He's taking the the vacation. Uh, right. He's, he's really right. doing a number on us, you know. I'm a bit. I'm a bit. Yeah. Hmm. I'm a bit. I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm speechless. I have to say. I might have to go to my bookkeepers because they they talk a lot. You know. I'm not sure what they say, but they're into <laughs> their theatrics. You know. Well, so talking about the books, uh, what have you read this um, month? It, well, I've read a fair bit. Now, that may or may not surprise you. Um, well, I'm, I'm shocked, you know. I'm literally shocked. <laughs> You're in shock. Part Figuratively, uh, two, metaphorically. Part two of Don Quixote. Don't be literally shocked. Uh, hopefully there's no lightning on your, uh, <laughs> on your Spanish beach there. Okay, okay. Part two so of Don, Don Quixote, Quixote. Part two. De La Mancha. You finished it then, did you? I fin- well, technically I can never say I've read it all. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. What did you mean? There's a misprint. And um, there's a 40-page section that's missing. No, oh, 40 no. out of 1,000, I, I, you know, I, I don't mind. <laughs> okay, but that, but that might have been the story, the Anna Karenina method. They yeah, might have accidentally... That was the whole story. They, they printed the same 40 pages twice in a row and then missed the real second 40 pages, you know? So... No, no, the, that, that's what makes the book so modernist, you see, that he started to <laughs> mirroring. It's a modernist approach, you see. <laughs> I like it, actually. I like it. It's a very interesting <laughs> okay. concept. Look, what I'll say about yeah. this part. So you haven't read this part, is that right? You only read part one. Is that correct? <laughs> exactly. Yes, I honestly haven't finished part one. I'd like to give it a try again. I like. I just. I just like to recap to the listeners. I read, started reading this book, was very enthusiastic, but I had difficulties with its length and just like the yeah. whole kind of it just went on a bit. So I'd like to try it again. And you said that as well last episode, right? That you found a bit, like, just a bit wordy. Yeah, well. I mean, I took a break between the two parts just because I, I needed a palate cleanser, you know? So. Well, Cervantes took a, it took a 10-year, you know, there was a 10-year break for most readers back between 1605 yeah. and 1615. So you were too fast. You should I've, have waited I've done years. it in one month. I've, I've really done no, no, way no. too fast. 10 years, well, 10 years. We talked a lot but about okay. it last time, so I'm not going to spend too long on it today. But what I will say is, in the beginning, I preferred part two. I find it a bit more approachable. It was a bit less silly, um, but I just find it to be more of a story. Okay, so that was in the first half. Then it kind of lost me in the second half. And if I'm honest... You're talking about part one here. I'm talking about not all all of part two that I read this month. Okay, part two. The first half of part two, I really enjoyed. And I actually thought part two was better than part one. um, But it kind of lost me as it went on. Oh, no. Okay. Um. I think the silliness from part one was 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 lacking, and actually, in a, in a way, it did make the book more fun. You know, these little yeah adventures, and this was well, fine. that's what I liked about it the most. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of wears off in this part, and we spend a long, long time doing the same thing. Um, but to set the scene, what happens is every so because of the time distance, right? Everyone yeah. in the book is aware of the book, and they've all read part one. What? So oh, so really... there actually really is meta yeah. fiction. <laughs> They've all read part oh, one that's cool. of Don Quixote and again, like, who's this fool kind of going around, you know, and they're all aware of it. And there's even a fake Don Quixote yeah, imposter at one point. And there's a there's an imposter part two. So someone actually publishes part two of Don Quixote kind of based on this imposter and it's not really about Don Quixote. It's, it's crazy. And ho- hold on. A... I-, I can't be 100% sure, but I am I think I read about it that someone did write the sequel to Donkey Hearts at the time. I think that's based on reality. So that might be based on reality. Someone, wow. 
and it's it's written right into yeah, the think, book. And to be fair, I just want to uh, give a bit of historical context. That's very typical back up to the 19th century. This still is partially, but mm. to make someone immediately writing a lesser quality sequel and usually without permission or anything yeah. of these books. Right, okay, but he was probably a bit peed off. Mr. I, I think so, that. yeah. But that so that's kind of what happens in the book, and they go off and they do a little bit more adventuring. But there's there's not as much, you know, little stories. And um, he is now no longer the knight of the sad figure. He is now the knight of lions. And um, but he introduces okay. himself in the you know they always mention he who was formerly the knight of the sad figure, but who is now the knight of lions. And it just reminds me of the Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the knights who until recently said me, but. Um, hmm. It's it's funny a little bit, but not to the same extent, you know. I did like it. Unfortunately, there's two main themes. The first theme is he tries to find his girl, right? Dulcinea, the, the girl that he loves. Of course, yeah. And Sancho just tells him, like, oh, this girl, that's her. And he's like, it doesn't look like her. He's like, ah, oh, she's been enchanted. He's like, but she's so ugly and small. And it's like, well, okay, be, 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 be nice. <laughs> and the whole time, he's like, <laughs> wizards and ghosts have come and made my girl small and ugly. <laughs> And uh, so oh, no. like, oh, we got to break the, the, the spell, you know. And then it's unclear if the spell's on the girl or or on Don Quixote himself at times, you know. Okay, okay, okay. Um, oh, okay. And they kind of change a little bit. It's very inconsistent. And then they meet a duke okay. and duchess who uh, maybe it's more clear if your Spanish is better than mine, but I'm not a hundred percent sure if they were a real duke and duchess or not. But they make mm-hmm. Sancho Panza uh, a kind of governor of their fortress or whatever. And I, oh it, yes, okay. It's not really a real position, but he goes around and spends a lot of time being the governor, and he writes to his wife about how he's gonna you know, moving up in the world and all this kind of stuff. And we just spend like a lot of time there with him being the governor, and it's always building up. Oh to no, it. okay. And it's building up and building up, okay. and I'm looking ahead like, what's all this build up? And 50 pages later, it's like Sancho's first day as the governor, and I'm like, what have we been doing for 50 pages? Like it's just nothing's okay. happening for long stretches of time, you know. Ah, no, so it's just kind of filling. So it was kind of, ah, I don't like that. You see, this is, this is the thing with long books. I just feel like I have rarely read a very long book and felt like, oh, great, that this was a thousand pages. I mean, I think if you're going to write a big, long book, just make sure that it's worth your time and, yeah. you know, and energy, you know? It rarely is. There is a nice bit where he meets a guy and, and uh, he says, I've also studied some sciences. So, well, what's a science have you studied? I've studied the science of the, the roaming knights. Uh, you know, and the guy's like, well, I haven't heard of that one. I've studied poetry. He's like, no, no, mine's way better than yours. It's like, right. <laughs> but, you know, his is real. <laughs> but they, right, they okay, mention, yeah. you know, if you're, a, if you're a real valiant knight, should you not be at court with the king? And he kind of says, like, oh, not all knights have to do that. I'm just going to roam around and, you know, do whatever and there's appearances by people like don juan and don Jeronimo, who i thought i'd heard of but not really a lot happens with them in the book and there's another knight who also changes his name he's the knight of mirrors and he's the knight of the white moon i love these romantic names if only they did more characters (laughs) and and again like the whole book is basically a parody or even a um not even not just a parody, but it's also what's the word? Uh, it's a homage to um, to these romantic, not romantic in the te- time period. I mean, like romantic setting, kind of old fashioned courting novels that were popular in Spain and Europe at the time of publishing, or a bit before that. Yeah, yeah. And I'll give you right. an idea. Of it doesn't kind of... sound. 
Go ahead. It doesn't. It just doesn't sound as Woodhousian as the first part. No, in the beginning I was enjoying it more, but then it kind of went downhill quickly. Um, there's okay. there is still some humor though. So at one point, um, someone says to Sancho, um, "Your friend must be crazy," and for must they use the verb deber. And then Sancho, which also means to owe money, right? Or to oh, yeah, owe. To owe money, so then yeah. Sancho says, oh, like, like "What do you mean he owes? He doesn't owe anything to anyone." And and it's kind of funny that they have these like puns, you know. So oh, that's that's, that's funny. Um, there's a little bit of that type of humor. Um, and at the end, yeah. at the end of the book, Don Quixote finally decides maybe this isn't the, the right life for me. Maybe, maybe we should go and get into. Hey, no, know. no, no spoilers. Okay, okay. No spoilers here. I'm not. I'm Although not covering most... the end. I think, I think most I people who spoiling a four hundred yeah. year old book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even <laughs> I know that that ending, but like, I just you just let it open. But it has a very, it just well back in school. So I grew up in in Spain. For your listeners, in case most um, most of my childhood was in Spain, and we did study Quixote, and really it was a big point that the fact the fact was Quixote lived in unreal life, and then it's just kind of. Yeah, then like reality hits him in the face eventually. It's kind of like, you know, you can't beat environment. It's that particular philosophy that environment will always crush you or flower you, whatever, but he yeah. can't go against it. So eventually it, realism hits the romantic, which, um, yeah, which is a, kind of a pity, but maybe it's also real life. I just want to remind you, Dean, that um, Cervantes had a very tough life. You know, he lost an arm mm. um, or did he lose a leg? Bless him. I think he lost an arm. Um, correct difficult me if I'm wrong, the there, listeners. Not difficult for the old riding, and uh, as we see now, bookkeeping is big into horses, so it must have been very difficult. He was also captured by uh, by soldiers, by not soldiers, by pirates, and he was held five years in captivity. Wow! No, I didn't know that before he was before he was allowed to return in Madrid. Yeah, he had a tough time. He was in battle. He was in the Navy infantry, captured for five years, worked as a tax collector, which was not a great job. I can tell you that um, as a purchasing agent, he and I think he only found slight success in publishing in the in the last years of his life. Right. So and some of his books weren't published to afterwards. So, I mean, I can imagine that he's kind of just become cynical. I mean, it's also written 10 years later, part two. Maybe it's just. He has another of life. I'm surprised that even so good Hubert at six mm. five because the pirate thing was before that. But he could still find humor. Maybe it's just he he died a year after he finished right sixteen sixteen. He must have been very cynical and kind of like just gave up in his own idealism, just like Don Quixote did. It's kind of sad. I suppose it is in a in a way. It's a shame, you know. It's a shame. Yeah. Um, you tell me about this. You tell me about Balzac and. The way you don't make me want to become a writer, PJ. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's supposed to maybe encourage people to write. That's my intention. Like, <laughs> honestly, most of these authors have terrible lives. That's why usually I, I, you know, I started writing. I really want to become a writer, but I became very disillusioned with the lives of authors. I don't, I don't really like to live an intellectual life or kind of like an author's life. I just, I like to write, 
but I just want to make sure that I don't <laughs> that I'm not drinking coffee all night long like Balzac and, and finding hold his on, hold on, hold on. I've known you to go spend a week in a cave writing like don't don't tell me you're not living the the author's lifestyle yeah yeah no I, I'm loving my life and like Balzac didn't go to caves he just stayed in all, all night <laughs> drinking coffee and he died at 51 or, or 50 and he fell in love but he, his health was so rotten that he just Aww. died so I mean don't come to me with like I've re- <laughs> yo, look at me I've written 150 novels I drink coffee a day I- I'm a champion and then just die so young it's kind of like would, would you not have preferred to make love longer than just write so many novels yeah yeah I know well, that's my rant about Balzac we usually mention him every two months so that's that's, that's it comes up from time to time I'm going to mention another one that I, I read PJ it's by your good friend um, Galdos Benito Perez Galdos Ah, Marianella. we're going going forward. Oh, Marianela, I love that one. Uh, we're going forward, listeners, to um, in Spain still to the mid nineteenth uh, century to the latter nineteenth century. And Galdos Benito Perez Galdos was born on the same island as I was, Gran Canaria. In Las Palmas, I visited his house. I know his family. No, I don't. But I visited his house. It's a museum. And um, he moved to Madrid and became really the the, this is very funny that you mentioned it because he's considered the second most important Spanish novelist after after Cervantes. So we're really hitting down mm. on the Spanish literature today. Not just because not just because of his quantity, he wrote almost as much as Balzac, perhaps even more, but also because of his popularity. He he was also nominated for the Nobel Prize a few times, didn't win it. But Marinella. I'll let you talk about it in a second, but Marinette was the first Galdos novel I read. Right. Forced to me by school, to be fair. But I, it really made me fall in love with Galdos. And then I read the next yeah. novels like, because I loved them so much. But, and it's not a realist novel. It's a romantic novel. So it is romantic. It's early yeah. romantic periods. Now, this might be yeah. controversial then, PJ, but I preferred this to anything else by him that I've, written, that I've read. Oh, no, dude, this is my favorite Galdos book. I oh. think his early period as a younger writer where he's still influenced by romanticism is actually, yeah, more enjoyable than his later realist mm. period. Now, I've not read that yeah. much. You know, you, you remember that I read Misericordia and Trafalgar. And yeah. I don't know if there was another one. I, um, I, but... I read those. I'm a, I'm a big Galdos fan. I read those. But it's nothing like um, Marianella or Doña Perfecta. Which is coming up romantic next time. Early <laughs> Recommended. So what do you think of Marinella? Do you want to tell a story? Because I think the, the, the plot alone is great. And well, the setting first of all, I, I loved it. Okay, so I don't think that... Yeah. We just said it's romantic, so anyone did. who's been listening for more than one episode knows that I'm going to love it straight away. It's a short book. It's uh, like 150 pages. And, yeah, I was just about to mention, that's a really nice, compact novel. I don't feel there was anything excessive about that. He he does write long novels in mm. realism period, which just go on and on. But this one is just nice, compact, Great setting in the countryside, Spanish countryside, and hit it, Dean. What's it about? So we have this, well, Marianella, right? So it's the the main character, and she is, it's not a real name, but she's kind of being named after her mother. Um, she's an orphan, right? If she's I an orphan. Or like, or there's, yeah. So that her mother seems to have a bad reputation in the town, and her, and her mother took her own life. Oh. Um, and now she's a little orphan girl, and they refer to her as Lanella or Marianella. Um, her her mother was called something like Maria Canella or something, so they just kind of combined it to kind of get her. her Which name. would be in that time period, listeners, slightly disrespectful. 
to right. call someone or just slightly yeah it's not really the, the respect mm. that you expect there and this girl basically what she does is she hangs out with a little blind boy and she just leads him around the town and kind of acts as his guide um but also as his friend and she falls in love with him and she he is of an upper class right he is not upper class but he is he's above her station by by a lot yeah, anyway that's, yeah that's important though yeah okay um she falls in love with him and there's sort of an idea that maybe he loves her but it's not clear if it's just platonically or you know what but he can't see her like i agree with you yeah yeah i can't see her that's that's important she thinks that that's the only reason he loves her like she is she's very young at one point they say it's hard to believe you're not 16 or something so like i think she is quite young um but she is obsessed with physical appearance and with beauty and the romanticism of it. And she mentions when I was young, I used to be beautiful, but I'm not anymore. And at the beginning of the novel, people try to say, no, no, you're still beautiful. What are you talking about? But then as the novel goes on, you realize, oh, no, she's actually not anymore, you know. Um, And that is sad because that seems to be all she cares about. And it's a shame. And she's really worried that if this boy was to see her, he wouldn't like you. He wouldn't love her anymore. Hmm. Uh, Which is interesting because I thought she was always very beautiful. Just I don't know why it was always like my. I, I thought that I think as she's I a very beautiful along. soul. Like, yeah. yeah, but they yeah. just say near the end. Someone does say to her when she says to the guy, um, "I'm not beautiful," and, and one guy admits it to her eventually. Everybody else the whole time tells her she is, and one guy kind of is like, "Yeah, I guess not." <laughs> so. so already we've got a romantic character, romantic side of things already. But yeah, but anyway, he's he's blind, and then something happens. So he has, I think it's his uncle, but someone is a, is a surgeon, an, an eye specialist, oh. and mm-hmm. helps him recover his sight. And now she's he's got really a, he's worried. Got a, he's got a relevant name. I remember that. What's his name again? Doctor. He's got some, the name all, also says it. Um, and he oh, is a, name. I, I believe he is a recurring character, maybe in latter um Galdos novels and I just want you to to notice though if you're going to start reading Galdos influenced by Balzac Balzac was a hero he also does the same thing he starts creating a shared universe where no I'm not talking about Marvel or DC universe but the same concept characters appearing characters maybe younger maybe older appearing in different times mm-hmm. and yeah that, this doctor yeah, does he do good so the doctor recovers, yeah. the guy, the boy recovers his eyesight and all the time he's saying, where is Nella? Please bring Nella to me. I want to see her. Why is she not coming? You know, everyone else is coming to see me. And, mm. and even his family are fairly kind to Nella, especially I think his dad, the mum's a little bit like she's beneath us, but they, they get on okay. Um, but she says, once he sees me, he's not going to love me. And there's another girl that the father says, you should really marry this girl. She's in our kind of station. Once you recover your eyesight, yeah. you'll be like more of an eligible bachelor. You should go with her. And this is sad. But the whole time, Nella is happy that he's recovered his eyesight. She's happy for him genuinely. And the girl that he's meant to marry, the fiance, Nella also loves her. She's got a little bit of jealousy. But at one point, she gets to the ground and kisses her feet and says that she's an angel mm. because she really is beautiful. And she has this, this love for beauty. And mm. that's really nice to see. I mean, there's the sad turns. At one point, the poor girl tries to commit suicide because of this problem, yeah. you know? So there's, yeah. there's moments of drama and sadness in it. And am I allowed to spoil the end of this one or not? Ah! 
It has a sad ending. That's all I'll say. Then. It that's has. Let's just say it's a romantic <laughs> novel that. Um, it's a perfect. Yeah, it's mean, a perfect like, sad dramatic romantic ending. It's yeah, exactly Bronte. What I love. Bronte. It's kind of a Bronte esque uh, ending. I mean, usually they have similar endings. And remember this. This is. Um, I think Gaudos, um He was always a kind of a realist and more the romanticist. I know this novel is maybe a romantic novel from the time period. Remember, listeners, that Spain was slightly later culture-wise than Germany or, or France. So the romantic period in literature is usually in early 19th century. Um, but in Spain, it really only began, it always began maybe 20, 30 years later. So, so the realist period was started maybe in the 30s, 40s, or 50s in Europe, only started maybe in the 80s, 1880s. Yeah. And there's, that's important, but I think adults is already being realist because it's really showing romantic characters in a hyper-realist setting, almost a naturalist setting. Mm. It's got this very kind of like reality in your face, just like with uh, Don Quixote at the end. Yeah. And the doctor is called, I had to look it up, but I knew it was relevant, uh, Teodoro Golfin, so, which is uh, Teodoro as in the gift of God, so Teos and the Dare. Um, so just notice with Balzac as well that the names are relevant. Mm. Always the names. In a Dickensian kind of way. Yeah. yeah, they're always relevant, actually, anyway. But Balzac, um, Galdos, Dickens, they do that as well. Um, so he's supposed to be the gift of God is being given to Pablo Penagilas. So, and that for me is a bit of a plain word with Aguila as an eagle, kind right. of like saying eagle eyed, except he's not, but he's not. now going to be given. And the beautiful yeah, girl's called eyed. Florentina, if I remember correctly. So this exactly, yeah, so. flower, you know. Exactly, yeah. Whereas Nella is almost intentionally like just a vulgar name, it's slightly a vulgar not signing. vulgar name, but it's a kind of a just it's a slightly disrespectful sounding name at that time period. So he's yeah. playing with the names as well. But yeah, don't spoil the ending. But it's okay. very Bronte. It's very it's good. very pragmatic. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just want to mention also it is realist in the sense of it's depicting this. Um, mining town in spain and really it starts off the book the book doesn't start off with any of the main characters it just starts off with the miners and how difficult they have it kind of exiting their caves mm. so he is already observing uh yeah. the society of the time and criticizing it i just like it say? because of how romantic now it is you know there's a lot of <laughs> of course it is Oh, this little boy is the only person who looks at me as though I'm not beneath the dogs and the cats of the time. You know, I might as well just yeah. kill myself. And I just, I love the the melodrama. You know, that always gets me. The melodrama, I like that. Well, that's a good. <laughs> that's a good. I like that. Nella drama. That might be one of our new catchwords. Uh, I think she's one of the best characters um, from Galdos, and I think she's one of the purest. I I, I thought she was great. Better or book. worse than Dona Perfecta? This book. You know, I love both of them so much. I'd love to actually read both of them again. Mm. Um, I think Marinella, but it might be because of the first book I ever read. Right. Doña Perfecta might not have as likable characters. That's the only thing I remember. But well, I'm going to try it very soon. It. Maybe next month or maybe the month after, but it's it's very cool, close cool, to okay. my Q9. Um, cool, okay. Very young author. He's writing these books, I think, in his 20s. You know, he's, yeah. he's, these are great books. Good. Wow, so talented chap. Oh, I'm going to take a quick break to let everyone know that if they want to get in touch, they can get to booksboysathotmail.com. You can still find us on the social medias, but I'm really scaling back the amount that I'm posting. But if you want to contact Books Boys Podcast on Instagram, for example, 
you can do that. We're also on Twitter and TikTok and booksboys.com for all our links. But we also have something called the Patreons. And if you go to patreon.com slash booksboys, you can get all of our other shows. We were just talking earlier about potentially arranging some more Playboys at some point um, with Alex now that he's back. Yeah. I also will do another one with Mireya. We'll do another Spanish play. Um, so at least I think in the next month, there'll be two episodes of Playboys, hopefully. Um, also, oh, I hope so, yeah. Dark Place, Robert and I, we're still reviewing the Netflix show The Sandman. And two more episodes came out this month. We're doing two two a month. And um, sometimes I'm really loving it. And sometimes I'm like, ah, they've lost me again because they've done all CGI and all this modern it's Neil, it's Neil Gaiman. He's a he's a brilliant author. I haven't seen the adaptation. And the story is good, but sometimes they lose me with the show, the way the show is made, you know? And I, also... I.e. you don't like... I.e. you don't like comic book adaptations or no, graphic novels. Any of that kind of stuff. Like... Okay. And also this month, I put out an episode of Music Man. I went way back in time, a decade, to my philosophical parodies, and I um, re- made those available on the Patreon, and I recorded 20 philosophical parody songs, some better than others, mostly terrible. Um, Immaterial Descartes, based on Madonna's Material Girl. Um, Early One Morning, the traditional English song, becomes Bentham One Morning. That one's a bit of a stretch. Um, oh, oh. We aren't who we were. We are who we are. The Kesha song becomes "We aren't who we were" about Locke, uh, John Locke, and his thoughts on uh, personal identity. Judas Priest breaking the law becomes Leibniz's law and the identity of indiscernibles. You will not find another song featuring the lyrics "identity of indiscernibles." I can guarantee you that. You're doing well. Dean. I'm proud of you. <laughs> You're flourishing. I'm telling you. So those are all available, um, and they're terrible. But I just thought I'd, I'd do a little bonus treat on the Patreon um, this month. So there's a lot of stuff on nice. there. Cool. Talking about graphic novels, Dean. It's not that I read a graphic novel this month. This month I've been taking it very easy. I, I'm actually still finishing the um, the Way of the Clouds, which we reviewed last month, mm-hmm. and um, very much enjoying it, meditating on it. Uh, though next month I have a feeling I'd like to read some more novels back in the fiction, especially Halloween coming up. I do feel like some some nigh guy man and some mm. similar kind of author novels. So looking forward to that. Good, but. I have been reading the very philosophical Dr. Seuss. And Dr. <laughs> Seuss. <laughs> and PJ, we all need to know. We all need to know. Is the cat in the hat? No, but I find very amusing. You talk about the two most important novelists in, in Spain ever. Big books. But Dr. Seuss, I think Dr. Seuss is very underappreciated. I have to first of all say. And secondly of all, I did not grow up with Dr. Seuss. So for me, it's, 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 a, it's a new thing, actually, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It might be nostalgic for the people. If you guys remember, I did review Dr. Seuss, I think, in the March episode. I uh, really enjoyed I find him really relaxing. I enjoyed the illustrations. I enjoyed the stories. I enjoyed the nonsense rhymes. What I think about Dr. Seuss, the, the classic thing about Dr. Seuss are two things. He comes up with original animals, no matter what. He comes up with originality nonstop. He, he, yeah. He, no one did this before. And second of all, if he, if he doesn't find a word that doesn't rhyme, he invents a word. I mean, just the whole beauty of it. Nice. Uh, if you, I mean, taking after Shakespeare, right? If you can't get the word to say what you want, you make one up. Well, yeah. I mean, Shakespeare did that. And the B-pop, you know, kind of that whole generation that would come maybe after he started doing this stuff, 
So anyway, wildly under, underappreciated. Um, I read, or I, I just, I, I watched, I, you know, I enjoyed the drawings on the beach, uh, two of his books. So if I ran the zoo, I did uh, read back in springtime, uh, if I ran the circus. So if around the zoo is whoa whoa uh, so this is a real stretch for him like you know he's like something groundbreakingly different from if I ran the circus like really really put pen to paper it's... and you know no no Dean I your cynicism is not well placed here Dean <laughs> he comes up he might the concept might be similar moving from one to the next the Doctor Seuss the concepts might be not very different from one book but it's always enjoyable. It was good. different creatures. Yeah. That's what matters. So, you know? Exactly. So last time I, I, I reviewed Thidwick, the big hearted moose. And If I Ran the Zoo is, um, sorry, Bartholomew and the Oblook comes afterwards chronologically. I'm trying to read it chronologically, but I just decided to skip that. I, I didn't like the look of it. It's very, very important, <laughs> guys, with this kind of epic drama that you've got to get it in order, you know? And If I Ran the Zoo is the next one. Highly enjoyable. Uh, it's written in uh, an apestic tet- tetrameter. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's classic. What can I say? It comes up with new creatures. It's about a boy. It's about imagination. It's always the same thing. It's about a boy just opening up to the imagination and what can I do out there? I can do anything. And that's what I love about it. Uh, it's got the most amazing creatures, which um, which other authors might try to replicate as well. Um, it's the first. It's the first book that uses the word "nerd," by the way, wow. to talk about one of the creatures. So he actually made that a, a thing. And I suppose "nerdy" comes from the fact that you look like a Dr. Seuss bird. So that's what "nerdy" means. Now, I won't go too much on about this one. The next one, though, is well. Hold on, PJ, Before you move on, you've convinced me. It's time to award the king of literature. To Dr. Seuss. <laughs> okay, enough. Uh, the king of literature. There we go. Well, this is this is this is this is the thing about you, Dean. You and you, as as soon as a childish name appears, or graphic novel, or comic, how about I call him Theodore? Theodore, just like called after the doctor from Irene. There's a coincidence. It's, it's all linked, guys. <laughs> Theodore Seuss Geisel. If I mentioned, look, if I had started all this with, well, I read Theodore Seuss Geisel, you know, and then I, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's deep. Just man. tell me it's from the history you've got me, you know? Yeah, as long as I give its full name from the passport and it's just older <laughs> and I don't mention that there are drawings, you're fine about it. So, Theodore or Dr. Seuss, the next, the next book I read was Scrambled Eggs Super. Now, what can I say about this, guys? These are great books for kids. They're kids' books, yeah. They're very young kids' books. But what can I say? I, I think they're great. So even as an adult, I'm really enjoying them. I can see Dean here in my camera, and his smile is priceless. <laughs> there are mixed emotions all over the place. You are selling book. me on it. It does sound good. It sounds like you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Scrambled Egg Super tells the story of Peter T. Hooper. And um, who's making scrambled eggs? He's trying to impress a lady friends mm-hmm. and saying, "Well, I don't want to boast, but I'm an amazing cook. Let me tell you about it." Actually, I'd like to quote the beginning of that. If anything, Dr. Seuss does is it's the rhyming is perfect. 
I love it. So, I don't like to brag and I don't like to boast, said Peter T. Hooper. But speaking of toast, and speaking of kitchens and ketchup and cake, and kettles and stoves and the stuff people bake, well, I don't like to brag, but I'm telling you, Liz, that speaking of cooks, I'm the best that there is. Why, only last Tuesday when mother was out, I really cooked something worth talking about. This is a classic Dr. Seuss paradigm. You start off with something someone did or something that I would do. And then mm-hmm. the whole book is just like imagination flourishing. And he just comes up. It's the same concept as, as if I ran the zoo. He just captures exotic creatures and just the rhythm is nonsense and it's a delight for the senses now going on the darker road here dr seuss is very much of his time his children books some of them are not allowed to be printed anymore why i didn't know that because they might be yeah i think it's if i run the uh, circus uh had the mention of of had the word eskimo in it and supposedly that's not a good word to use anymore so right anyway what I can say, though, more importantly, is that I think making a books about capturing animals and capturing eggs from birds and they're all smiling is not really up to date. So I think a conscious children's book should obviously be about, <laughs> you know, okay. no, no, honestly, because I've written, right, right. Book about, I've written a children's book about animals being captured. And I would never write this kind of nonsense. And I'm a vegan as well. So, I mean, I- I'm pushing it with scrambled eggs here. I'm pushing with scrambled eggs. I don't eat scrambled eggs. But this is how much I like Dr. Seuss. I just go beyond that. It's like it's like two brothers, you know, they have different opinions, but you still want to meet up for Christmas dinner, you know, and get along well. So that's me, Dr. Seuss. I'm very fond of him. Some of his ideology is very antiquated. Okay. That's all I have to say. Read it, watch it, and it's 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 beautiful. So Dr. Seuss. Or can I just say that the not Dr. Seuss, how about Theodore Seuss? Yeah, that's Does it. That shall we bookend the segment, PJ? Shall we? Shall we bookend the segment? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> the doctor of literature. How about we can call him that? That that's real. Right? <laughs> the doc of lit. Doc lit. Doc lit. Doc lit. There we go. Like Guys, before we move on, um, <laughs> this month's sponsor it's helpforrappers.gov. If you're a rapper and you like the hippity hoppity and the boom boxes. Go to helpforrappers.gov where we will tell you how to trade your boombox for a copy of the complete works of Shakespeare. And you can uh, study drama with us. So, and also sponsored, sponsor for today is Tizzle Topwood Grew's company in a tree down the street. And I knew her from her looks corporation. So if you're looking for some amazing vegan scrambled eggs and don't know where to find them because it's not vegan, well, just look up this imaginative completely fake company and you'll find some recipes good i'm gonna quickly play this great ad for our patreon the facts that will be presented are true he's pj hello there dean is always joined by mireya say hello Hello. Dark Place Robert and Playboy Alex. Doing all right. Glad to be here again. So I've given you those nicknames. I'm not a fan of that one. <laughs> well, that's where people will know you from. That's no, why you're going to know me from that one. But let's carry on. Anyway. Hello, Mother. Can you hear it? Join us for Shakespeare written, Spanish plays and poetry, rock star interviews, film reviews, Dark Place Dreamers, and more. Patreon.com slash books.
There we go, guys. Get it, buy it, Patreon netbooks. Nice. I do want to thank everyone for um uh you know joining um uh Patreon. Actually that's just I meant <laughs> I meant to sound, make it sound like a compliment. That just sounds like the most cynical comment of the whole show. No one <laughs> I don't think many people have signed up yet. Uh yeah. so actually get on there. I actually All your meant... friends are already there. <laughs> Follow them. So yeah, okay. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining us. But how about this? Thank you for, for joining us right after listening to this. No, anyone much. listening who hasn't joined, feel the guilt, feel the moral culpability. <laughs> get on it. Get it's on like three it, quid. guys. Really, it's it's very little. It's two two euros fifty, right? I always get confused actually. I'm we not were even trying. You, you know. Yeah, so look. And look, you can listen to this anywhere in the car. You can listen as well while cooking up some scrambled eggs or preparing your lovely vegan meal for your lovely wife. You know, you can intimate moments. I mean, if 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 you want to get intimate with your partner, you know, well, who doesn't? Don't be shy. I mean, don't be shy. We've got twenty three episodes, twenty four episodes of this, but I mean, that's only twenty four lovely romantic nights. And if you need more material, don't be shy. Dot dot dots. I think uh, um, I think we've got a hundred episodes having... or so on our Patreon altogether. So so plenty of central. Uh, I mean, sorry, man. Just make sure your kid isn't listening for this segment. But for the adults out there, you know what I mean. I'm winking. I don't think anyone can yes. see me. No, this is great for a, for an audio medium. <laughs> so that's that's all about me and uh, and uh, and Theodore, not Doctor Seuss, Doctor Lit. What about you, Dean? What else did you get into? Um, I feel that this is feels this is going off the rails. I went back to Dumas <laughs> and I read one of the sequels to the Joseph Balsamo stuff. And are, are you ever not going to read a Dumas book? <laughs> I mean. PJ, this was a disaster, this book. Um, I oh, can no. never figure out what I'm reading for a start with Dumas. And I couldn't, you know, I read last time part one and part two, we think. Uh, parts three and four I couldn't <laughs> find. Now I've got something. I think it's like maybe part five. Like, I don't know what, well, this is. Uh, and, you, and, the, and, and the funny thing is that one of your favorite Dumas book is, is a plagiarized book, not written by him, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's on, on the top list, Elizabeth. It is. So this book is called The Countess de Charny. Okay. Mm. It's real. It's it's Dumas. Dumas Pale. Yeah, it's it's, it's yes. Him. And I thought, well, I don't know who this countess is. Um so I went and read it and oh no, it turns out it's just um it's just Amelia from the previous books. So it's fine. She's not a countess. Right, okay. Um like this wasn't great. You can tell that it's the middle part of a series. Like, you know, it doesn't have a beginning or an end. It just kind of picks up and drops off. Not really a lot happens. Um, Mm. It's fairly weak as far as a Dumas goes. Um, In the beginning, we think that Gilbert is going to be our main character. That's the little boy who went and hung out with Jean-Jacques Rousseau. And then at the very end of one of the other books, he gets a girl, he gets Amelia pregnant. Um, What's happened now is a lot of time has passed. So we're, we're many years later. Gilbert is now a respected doctor. And, and he's able to go in and talk with the queen, uh, who is Marie Antoinette. And can and you just he, remind me of the name of this book again? Because this is not one of the, fa- not one of the famous ones. Is the it? Countess de Charny. Is like this? Okay, Countess de Charny. And well, is not, this, I sorry. say Charny, but it's just Charny. There's no A in it. 
But I just want to ask uh, before we continue: Is this based on a real countess or real person? I don't think so. I mean, real okay. people appear as always. You know, Marie Antoinette's in it. Yeah, that's why. Sixteenth is in it. You know, um, maybe the countess is real. I don't know. But we have Joseph Balsamo, the sorcerer, again, and he still wants to bring down. Uh, he survived the, the story events of the previous books, and he still wants. He's to caused bring a lot down of trouble in our podcast. He Mr. has Balsamo. You know, a lot of confusion. But in the end, he doesn't really appear that much. And then Gilbert stops being the main character and he doesn't appear much either. And a lot of it is uh-huh. just Louis XVI trying to avoid, um, you know, being beheaded, to be honest. Uh, he's really worried right. that he'll follow the fate of Charles I in England. And, you know, this this revolution brewing and Balsamo's theoretically behind that, I guess, his, mm. his cult of Freemasons and things. And it's just about them trying to do this to... So, the second half of the book, and it's only about 300 pages, like most of the book is all about um, the Marie Antoinette and, and Louis the Sixteenth, And there is a nice character, a certain um, Monsieur Guillotin, who invents oh, a nice little machine uh, called the Guillotine, uh, which he believes what? will um, make executions quicker and remove the need for hanging. Well, how charming. Yeah, lovely, lovely work, you know, doing God's work. Um, <laughs> I wonder what Doc Lit would have to say about that. But anyway, continue. but we look. I don't know. The problem with Balsamo is they never call him Balsamo in this book. Um, so you may remember that Why, he was, this is what you said last time about his books. They never call <laughs> anything. Yeah. So he was the, he was the Count Joseph Balsamo, but he was also a hundred other names. He was also the Count. No, he's the Baron Balsamo, the Count de Phoenix, Akarat. I think was one. He's like oh. his ancient ancient name now he appears then he's Cagliostro <laughs> then he's Cagliostro oh, and sometimes they call him Cagliostro in this but then he says no I have a new name I am the the Baron Zanini from Genoa so right okay I don't know like he's just going around with all these different identities and different names and he faked his own death at one point and put his clothes onto a dead guy so that he could come back in a new identity so he sounds like a man who who, who if the party you know, winds down a bit and you want to get it back up again, just bring him in like last minute. So. <laughs> He's always there. But one of the most important things he does in this book is he go, he, he gives some money to a kid and the kid's parents are doing so poorly that the kid runs in and the dad takes the money and then Balsamo comes in again and sort of, and he knows, he knows everything, you know. And then he just kind of says, well, how's the, you know, how are things going? And the guy says, I got no money, I got no money. And he says, ah, oh, apart from the two Louis that you took off your kid there. And he gives the kid two more, you know, so he knows. All right. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> uh, and the mother is Nicole, who was the, the friend from the original book who ran off with a guy. Um, so that's her only appearance in this, just a little cameo from her. Hmm. But Gilbert's going around and he, he meets up with the mother. And there's a funny scene where the, the, they've got a little son now, Sebastian. And he says he wants to talk to his father. And he says, I want to talk to my, my papa. And he's been with his father all this time. The problem is he wants to see his mother and his father, you know? So he goes into the mother and the mother, basically who's the, who's the Countess of Charnay, uh, not Amelia, Andrea, sorry, Andrea. And um, then he, he basically asks about his dad, you know, and she slanders the father, not slanders, but she basically says he wasn't a very good person. I mean, he raped her. So you know, he wasn't a good person. And all of a sudden, the, all of the children's love fades. And he's like, 
mother, how could you speak about about my father like this? Whom to he who am to whom I owe everything? I was wrong, Madame. You cannot be my mother. And he he runs off, and she's all sad and crying. You know, so the love vanishes. It just very sounds quickly. very confusing. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, I do like. I I I met Dumas, you know, ignoramus completely. So mm. I would like to read his bigger novels, like his more famous novels. But you, they don't sound that great. Dean, these novels that you're reading from him that are at the back catalog of of Dumas, you know. They, yeah, I, yeah. I just hear thousands of names. I just get very confused. <laughs> I, mean, I think you're doing a good job, but like you just like yeah. I don't think Dumas is maybe doing such a clear job, you know. This book is not good. great, and a lot of it is just about. The king and queen to be honest um but if that's a boring story i don't have a lot to say about that i'm more interested in the side characters and their their quests of love um yeah so andrea her big secret is that she loves her husband um because that's they they got married for convenience they got married for convenience sake um but actually they both fell in love with each other immediately but neither knows it so they've been married for 10 years both with permanent heartache because they're both in love with each other, but they can't tell each other, you know, I, I'm sorry for all these years of heartache I've given you and all this kind of thing. And in the end, it's, it's, this, is a, this is a very, very God, minor these spoiler, people, but I have to give it. These people are, these people are really suffering. Dean. In the end, she uh, sends a letter, which is only to be opened if he's dying. And there's all these instructions, that he's only allowed to open it if he's like in his last breath. And it turns out that she loves him, but she was only going to tell him if he was dying. And she's so hot. She's so angry that he's managed to open it, but he's still alive. And then he's like, but I also love you. He's like, oh, no, what? And they can be together, you know? So well, they're right together because they're married. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake. So it's, it's kind anyway. of ridiculous things, you know, but that's, we, we don't, that's what she does. We see a little bit of Gilbert. We see a little bit of Balsamo. Gilbert's very respected now, and he's going around being a doctor, and he's talking to Mary... Um, Marie Antoinette really what the book is about is people giving advice to the king and queen and saying be less haughty go and help the parliament you know be less of a of a ruling monarch and move with the times and they're kind of saying no they don't want to do that and Marie Antoinette is just like even when they're giving her advice to save her life she's like how dare you speak to me like that I'm your queen and it's like well actually I think that you're kind of a crappy person and that you're going around being mean to your friends so they're eventually they're not afraid to say it to her face, you know, but she's very arrogant. Right. Okay. I'm sorry, David. It doesn't make me want to read the book necessarily. I mean, the better job was Don Quixote. Or... I wouldn't read this one. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm not recommending this one uh, necessarily. Um, because, you know, we see some characters that only pop up for a chapter or two. And it's very, that's what I mean. It's very clear that not a lot's happening in this book. It's just linking different parts. It's like part five of nine yeah, or something, yeah. you know. So mm, it's very, it's very clear that we're just waiting for something else maybe to happen in the future. And, the, and you know, even at the end, I thought, well, there'll be a big climax. The king and queen will get killed. But like, no, that doesn't even happen. You know, right again. they avoid the trouble at the end of it. And the final dramatic end, this isn't really a spoiler, by the way, because the final ending, um, the, the way the book closes is with this lovely bit where she's like, how can I possibly thank this guy for all the help he's given me? And he kind of says, like, you know, I'm going to risk my life. I'm probably going to die for you. But all the thanks I need is to be able to kiss your hand. And then because she's so beautiful and so royal, he can't even bring himself to kiss her hand. And he just touches it. And it's like, <laughs> that, <laughs> that is that is thanks enough for my life, you know. Well, look, it is um, Dumas, you know. I mean, supposedly I had a lot of mistresses, you know. Not that I'm 
not that I'm judging, but he seems to have a very excite, a very kind of, I uh, what, what, yeah, I mean, like, why am I talking about Dumas' mistresses here? Uh, what I'm saying is, I think I'm more interested in Dumas' life and the fact that he's, okay, I think I think we just delete that part of the episode. <laughs> No, it's fine. Keep going. Keep going. No, I don't want to say. <laughs> okay, you can keep it in the episode. You can. I'm officially premium. Keep it because it just makes you. No, I don't know why. What I'm talking about is mistresses. I think I just read like he's got a lot of mistresses. That's like the most interesting part. Because it just sounds. It doesn't sound very interesting to me. These novels. I'm more interested in the trivia that. Oh, did you know that Dumas had like 40 mistress, mistresses? Yeah. I said no, I did not. Though that's very interesting. More interesting than the whole book. So this, yeah. um, this book was not in, so. Well, now I feel bad. Um, it's interesting that I have forty mistresses. I, 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 you know, not judging, just interesting. I feel just, bad, just, PJ, because yeah, if you thought that this wasn't interesting, oh no, wait oh, to see going? the next book. I am. I'm not looking forward to it. What was what, this? So I looked at my shelf and I thought, what can I sneak in in the last? I did read one more book, but I'm saving it for the end. I thought, what can I sneak into the last few days of the month? Something around 300 pages I can get through. And uh, so many exciting books, you know, books in English, books in Spanish, modern classics, old classics, so many great things, some Greek stuff. I thought, I know what I'll read. Scenes of Clerical Life by George Eliot. So the most exciting book I could find. That's very exciting stuff. Scenes of Clerical Life. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.